Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, a Teen Mom Deep Dive podcast. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hello. Hi, beloved friends and family. (laughs) I do. Cousin Julia will probably listen to this, and she's family, so it counts. Hi, how are we? I am having kind of an annoying day because I woke up this morning. I had a yoga class scheduled because I'm trying really hard to get back into hot yoga. Um, it's the, all the studios around me, including my beloved studio, now have shitty schedules that don't work with my schedule. So it's been a little difficult, but I was like going this morning. I paid for it last night. I had this podcast to do. And my dad texted me at 9.30 a.m. and was like, hey, we're not down the shore. You can go if you want. And I'm like, could you could you have maybe let me know two days ago? So like on Thursday, so I could have planned a weekend. <sighs> my dad has a very little apartment. So it's like way better when they're not there. Um, when they are, it's very cramped, but fine, because you know, you don't spend that much time in the apartment at the beach. But I was then I was like, should I just leave after yoga and record down there? I'm still unsure. It's sad. I didn't do that. It's Saturday at 140. Um, and I think I'm going, I don't know, I might go tonight. <laughs> I do have to record another podcast in the morning, but I might go tonight, sit on the beach for the whole afternoon and then come back. I don't, I don't know. I'm really, it's really frustrating though. I'm a real spoiled brat. Anyway, hi. If you would like to hear more from me, please go to patreon.com slash Liz Explains. That's my Patreon where I talk about everything. Last week was Scary Island, which is crazy. I've never talked about that. It was so, so, so fun watching it and talking about it. I had a blast. I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do this week. My schedule upcoming this week is kind of weird. And I think I'm going to do like an internet roundup because um, Gabby Hanna has is going through it live on TikTok in a way that is extremely unnerving. I want to talk about that and then maybe just some other things. Um, so yeah, patreon.com slash Liz explains. I talk about reality TV that's not Teen Mom. I talk about the internet and internet culture. Um, I would say I'm probably, honestly, there's probably five podcasts that talk about internet culture like semi-decently. And I think I'm one of them. I don't say that to brag. It's just like they're I think it's really hard to do a podcast on the internet, especially a weekly podcast. So the Patreon lends itself really well for me, like when I want to jump in and talk about things. So patreon.com slash Liz Explains. Sign up on the first of the month. This episode comes out on what, the 28th. So you should sign up on the first. And yeah, love to see you there. We're still in Team Mom land. Oh, can you believe that? How fucking dare she? First of all, Leah Messer, Sims Messer. Calvert Messer. How dare you? How dare you get engaged two hours after I finish fucking recording? That, that is so rude. So, so rude. So yeah, Leah and Jalen are engaged. Somebody left a comment saying that I predicted they'd be engaged by fall. Uh, You all know that I am in an absolute fugue state when I record, so I don't know what I predicted, but I think marriage by or like I think proposal by fall baby announcement by Christmas I can so perfectly see like a Christmas baby announcement although uh, one of my followers Ryan 
I believe, said that he thinks that it will be on Halloween with, like, a perfect Halloween family picture with her being pregnant, which I can 100% see. Um, but I think they're going to get pregnant soon. Jalen wants to have kids. Leah wants to have more kids, I think, with Jalen. And, yeah, they got engaged. And, look, here's the thing. Jalen gives me the ick as far as, like, his online presence. And, like, the fact that he wants to be famous and he's, like, openly wanting to be famous. Like, I, it just grosses me out. But, like, I've said it a million times, right? Like, besides that, and I don't think that's a huge besides that because Leah is famous, and Leah is in the media and Leah's on a fucking TV show about her life. So and we've seen Leah like wanting to be an influencer for the last two years. So like in a way, I think that Jalen being like fucking desperate for publicity and fame kind of is the perfect partner for her because that's what she wants too, right? Like that's her goal as well. So if that is the worst thing about him, then fine. Did Leah and Jalen move too fast? Of course they did. This is Leah. Leah's, I I know Leah wants us to believe that she has her guard up. (laughs) I know Leah loves us to think that she doesn't date. Um, And she has her guard up and she just doesn't let people in and she wants to take things slow. But we all know that's not true. And by all accounts, like Jalen is nice. He's funny. He has a great job, not just a job, like a career. He seems really dedicated to the things that he cares about. Um, he has a family that he's very close with. He seems to have like a lot of friends. Um, and those are all really, really good qualities. If the only thing that I find like icky is his Instagram and like the way that he is on Instagram, like fine, you know, well for, I'm like, if the only thing I find, like I'm the arbitrator of (laughs) getting gonna date, but I just mean, I'm seeing like on Reddit, like people are acting like he's a murder, and I do think a lot of it is racist. I really do. Uh, because here's the thing like, Leah didn't really move any faster than Chelsea did with Cole. So let's think on that. Let's reflect on that a little bit. Do I think it's like perfectly reasonable to not like him because of the way that he is online? Yeah, I do. But I think when we're talking about like who these women are letting into their lives and are deciding to make their partners, I think Jalen is truly a good match for Leah. And if she's going to move fast and, like, marry someone super quick and have a baby with someone super quick, from what we can tell, I think Jalen is a good pick for that. Like, I... (laughs) Is it, like, really tacky that he had somebody take pictures with him while he was ring shopping so that he could sell that image to People Magazine for when he proposed? Yeah, of course. Of course it is. Jalen has a publicist, which is very funny to me. It's very, very funny. Is it weird that they, like, always have a professional photographer following them around? Yeah. It's really fucking weird. (laughs) It's really weird. But as far as, like, who he is as a person and how he is in Leah and her daughter's lives... I think he's good. I was going to say I think he's okay, but I actually think he's good. I don't I don't know who Leah could possibly be with that's better than Jalen. You know? Like I <laughs> I really don't know and obviously like I could be like having to eat my hat later where he ends up being a monster who fucking knows. But like especially compared to that Jason guy that she was with, 
I just think Jalen is a good guy, and I'm happy for her that she has made a decision to move quick with someone that seems to be a good guy. (laughs) I will say they did a thing where he like proposed to the girls too and gave them rings. And I don't love that in general, I don't think, but I really don't love it for children over the age of five. Also, it's like very gendered, right? Like, what do you do if they have sons? You know, I've never, I've I've seen like in my personal life, I know people who had daughters and got married and their uh, future husband like proposed to the daughter too. And I thought it's like, it's sweet. It's very sweet. Um, I just don't know if I love, love it in general. I know that Ryder, Zach proposed to Ryder with a ring. We know that Cole proposed to Aubrey. Um, I don't know. It's kind of weird in my opinion, but not like I think it's weird to give them rings, not to include them in the proposal because they are like merging families, right? Like they are going to be a family. And I I just wish Jalen had given them like necklaces. Like the twins are like 13. <laughs> They're a little old from rings from stepdad, you know, it it just like it just it eggs me out a little bit. But I think that Leah like fucking loves this shit. Like I think she loves it. So if that makes them happy, fine. Somebody wrote like a 10 fucking paragraph essay on Reddit that I read yesterday about why it's okay that Cole did this with Aubrey, but it's not okay that Jalen did it with the girls. And to that I say, LOL. I think that the younger they are, the less like weird it is. But in general, like, I think that some people just like that shit. I think that I'm not a good tardy, targy. I'm not a good target audience for this because I think that stuff is cheesy as fuck. But look, if the girls are happy and they're comfortable and Leah, I will say I don't think Leah would put them in a position for Jalen to propose to them, using that in quotes, propose to them if she didn't think the girls would be into it. Um, Does she introduce her girls to men too fast? Yes, of course, of course, of course she does. But I don't think she'd put them in a situation where they're uncomfortable. She seems pretty... Well, that's not really true. I guess she was like that with Jason. I don't know. I feel like, though, that Leah... If Leah thought the girls wouldn't be into it, they wouldn't do it. They would do something else. So... And, I mean, there was a cake involved. I'm sure Leah bought that cake. Like, I think Leah is very involved in this. By the way, in the fucking magazine article to People Mag, when they're talking about their engagement, they they were on the horn with People Mag before they told the girls. Now... Would they, like, I'm sure if they got home, because they were in Costa Rica on their one-year anniversary, which is, you know what, like, for people in their 30s, I know Jalen's a little younger, but even for fast-moving Leah, I guess it's different because there are kids involved, but, like, as a woman in her 30s who knows a bunch of people in their 30s who are getting engaged, I actually think one year is a reasonable time in your 30s to date someone and get engaged. I know quite a few people who met their partner, got engaged, got married, and had a baby within three years. And you know what? They're really happy because that's just the facts of biology, right? And like being in your 30s. So I don't think it's like so crazy that they got involved or got engaged after a year. The crazy thing is like moving in together after three months, having the girls like super in time after two months. Like the engagement's not that crazy to me, but it is really funny that they like called up people then they came home they must have told the girls and then the people mag article came out i wonder how much they get paid for that i also kind of wonder if they paid for people magazine to feature them 
Oh my god. Like, I wonder if they pitched to people and they're like, we'll pay you $10,000 to cover our engagement. Their wedding is going to be wild. Oh my god, that's going to be the flashiest. I can so perfectly picture it. I think it might be a winter wedding. I can picture... It's going to be black tie. Oh, my God. Jalen is going to go all out for that. So, I mean, Mazel Tov to Leah and Jalen. I really hope that this wannabe influencer thing is the worst thing about him and that he's a good partner and that Leah's happy with him because that is good for her and her girls. (laughs) Anyway, should we talk about season four episodes um, seven and eight? I think is where we are because next week I'm doing nine and ten. Yeah, they're episode seven and eight. Uh, Teen Mom, the next chapter comes back. I think next, like the the next week. Um, so I am gonna cover the first episode. I think I've had people reach out to me and be like, "Please just do the old episodes." But I I'm gonna try Teen Mom next chapter, and if I don't like it, I don't like it. I'll go back to the old episodes, you know. But that's the fun thing about Feathers My Hair is that it doesn't really matter <laughs> what I do. Or, I like, it's not like if I start recapping the new episodes, I, like, can't go back to the old ones. I also had some people ask me if I could do, like, a recap on the whole season of Team Mom Young and Pregnant. I stopped watching, honestly. Like, I felt like it was a chore to watch and that I was catching up just for the podcast. And I was like, why am I doing that? So I can't really do a wrap up on it. Maybe if I catch some episodes and watch a reunion, I will. Like if I can, I I will. But I I don't think that that's in the cards. So let's talk about Team Mom season four, which is just like an incredible season. So much stupid stuff is going on that makes me so happy. Let's start with Chelsea. Yeah, let's start with Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea is... So freaked out because Adam had sent her that letter asking her to sign it where basically they were going to ask the court to move the custody case to the county that they both live in. I don't think I even knew that they had a custody order in the first place. When did they go to court? I guess they must have gone to court earlier in the series. I don't really remember them going to court. So I was surprised that he even like knew that there was a judge involved or that the case was in a certain county but Chelsea's like I'm not signing that fucking letter I'm not signing it she has Laura over at the house they're talking about Adam and Adam sends Chelsea a text because he has Aubrey and is like I really want to keep we really want to keep Aubrey for another day for the weekend because Adam now has a girlfriend so this is where Taylor comes in Oh, it's sad to watch Taylor with Adam because we know that Taylor was really abused by Adam. Like, Adam was really physically abusive with Taylor and he was really dangerous with Taylor and Paisley. And eventually he gave up his rights to Paisley, right? It's a very long conversation. Why did Adam give up his rights to Paisley and not to Aubrey? The answer to that is always because he has not been asked to do it for Aubrey. And he offered to do it. Chelsea said he offered to do it if she dropped all his back child support, which she said no to. The reality is is that Aubrey and Paisley have quite a different relationship with Adam. I mean, now I don't know if uh, Aubrey has any type of relationship with Adam at all right now. But as far as like Paisley was really out of Adam's life by the time Paisley was like one or two. 
Aubrey was so regularly seeing Adam until she was, what, five or six? Um, he was, like, being an asshole and really inconsistent, but she was still seeing him often. She also, up until, what, two years ago, was over at his parents' house every other weekend. Um, she very much is part of the Lynn family in a way that Paisley never was. And I, they they asked her on camera, like, Aubrey, do you want to be adopted by Cole? And she said, no, I don't want to be adopted. So nobody's asked Adam to sign his rights over. I personally think he would. Uh, like, I really do. Um, I've seen some people be like, his mom wouldn't let him do it. I don't know. I see people, like, work themselves into a pretzel, like, trying to explain why Paisley got adopted and Aubrey didn't. And I really think the bottom line answer is that Aubrey doesn't want to be adopted or did not want to be adopted last time they were on TV. It Who knows where they are now? You know what I mean? Like, it's very possible that she's changed her mind. Oh, my gosh. Chelsea, I saw a TikTok of her, which I pretty actually scrolled pretty quickly because I don't fuck with TikToks from Teen Moms. But I saw a TikTok of her with Aubrey getting seventh grade makeup for her. I can't believe she's in seventh grade. She has split dyed hair. It's very cute. But little Aubrey. <laughs> little Aubrey's so big. But yeah, Aubrey has a relationship with the Lynns. And I don't think she wants to be adopted or she didn't want to be adopted. So it's hard to watch Taylor and Adam knowing like what we know she just got herself into such a bad situation. I mean, did she watch Adam on TV and send, still choose to get with him? Like, probably. But at the same time, she was, what, 20 years old? 20-year-olds are stupid. So, Laura and Chelsea are just, like, flabbergasted by Adam texting her. We are more than happy to keep her. Adam is such an asshole. He is so cruel with this, with the way that he talks about Taylor to Chelsea. It's really purposeful. It's really mean. I feel really sad for Chelsea when I watch this episode and watch her react to Adam getting a girlfriend. Um, Chelsea said, no, I want you to come home. I don't want you to have her for the weekend. And Adam texted back, you won't have a choice soon. He also texted, Aubrey loves being around Taylor, so you better get used to it. And Chelsea's like, this is the first time they've ever spent time together. Like, what is he even talking about? It's so obvious that he's just doing this to piss Chelsea off. Like, I don't think he's dating Taylor to piss Chelsea off. But I definitely think he's, like, talking about her to Chelsea in this way to, like, drive home. Because he never... I'm never sure that Adam ever let Chelsea call him her boyfriend. <laughs> You know, like, I'm not sure he ever called Chelsea his girlfriend. Like, I don't know if he, like, ever let her commit like that. And so it's just sad. Like, I I can't imagine being in that situation and she gets that we text. That, that's tough. Um, Chelsea is not pleased with it. So Adam and Taylor come to drop Aubrey off and... It's just like a little exchange. Chelsea doesn't even see Taylor because she's still in the truck. I noticed that Adam wasn't driving the truck. And I'm wondering if Adam already started getting DUIs at this point. Um, But when they get back inside, Laura's like, she was wearing like a headband and a ponytail. <laughs> oh, Chelsea does say like, they're not going to play house with my kid. And it's like, well, if Adam wants to play house he can play house. 
that that's why you have kids with somebody when you're in a stable relationship or ideally so like you don't have to deal with that because once you're not together and that person has parenting time you don't get to say I mean I know there are some clauses in which some people have custody clauses in which like the partners can't be around for a certain amount of time blah 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 but Chelsea doesn't get to dictate that and I think that Chelsea is in such a weird position because on one hand, she, like, hates Adam and wants him to die, at least at this point in time. But on the other hand, like, desperately wants to be with Adam. It's so, it's so, so, so messy. So Chelsea's, like, so upset about this, so they have to go out to dinner. Oh, they go to Randy's, but before we get to Randy's, we pop on over to Adam and Taylor out to dinner with those friends that he was with that were calling like Chelsea a bitch and like saying that she's being selfish about the kids and Taylor was like you know I just really not Taylor sorry Adam was like I just really want to schedule once again his friend was being like you got to put it aside for the kids she has to Adam has these people twisted watching him interact with people is very weird to me (laughs) because he just is so obviously an asshole he's so obviously an asshole Uh, Taylor says that she was surprised that Adam even brought Aubrey around her, (laughs) meaning that they had just got together and she was not expecting a man to introduce her to his child like a day after they met. But welcome to Adam's world, babe. (laughs) When they go over to Randy's house, Laura and Chelsea and Aubrey, I don't know why Laura is there with them, but she is. Uh, Chelsea's crying to her dad basically just being like, I hate it. I hate my life. He goes out of his way to make sure that I cry, which is really sad. And she's just so stuck on this. I tried, I tried, I tried to make us a family. I tried to make us a family thing that she's been repeating all season. And it is kind of funny watching Randy just like truly sit there stone face and be like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm guessing like the first two-ish years of the Adam saga, he would like hug Chelsea and be like, it's okay, it's okay. I think at this point, he's like so fucking sick of watching Chelsea cry over Randy or <laughs> over Adam that he he's there for her, he's supportive, but you can tell he like doesn't go out of his way to comfort Chelsea in these moments. Chelsea says that she can't remember what it feels like to be happy, and I was like, Somebody get Chelsea to a psychiatrist. <laughs> Chelsea's depressed. Chelsea is so depressed. By the way, her hair looks so bad. And I was really laughing when they were making fun of Taylor for wearing a headband because Chelsea had the ugliest hair I've ever seen in my life. And I was like, you should put that back in the headband. <laughs> so they also talk about the fact that they are not going to sign that at letter for Adam and she's going to go see a lawyer to just, like, see if she has any obligations to deal with Adam. So she goes to meet with a lawyer, and (laughs) she's wearing her, like, business casual, but it's, like, shorts and oversized blazer heels. It's so funny. There's nothing I love more than, like, watching young people who really have no exposure to the world uh, dress business casual and what that means to them. I just think it's so, it's very, very funny to me. The lawyer confirms that the letter means nothing. The lawyer's like, I don't even know why he would write that letter. There has to be a motion to move it, which is, yeah, you can't just be like, 
writing a letter to the judge and being like, hey, babe, could you move this? Like, there's a process. You have to file a motion for a change of venue. And the lawyer basically at this point is like, you know, we're just going to wait for Adam to do something because right now she has all the power for anything to change. Adam is going to have to like formally go to court. And I think they really doubt that he's going to do that. He does end up doing it, but it's fine because Chelsea never loses in court to him because as Chelsea says repeatedly, and she's 100% accurate, like Chelsea is Aubrey's full-time caregiver, right? She came out of the meeting with the lawyer with this checklist of like what the judge looks for when awarding custody. And it's like stability. I don't remember what the other things were, but like everyone was Chelsea. As I always say on this, like the one thing that I will never knock Chelsea on is that she from the jump took care of Aubrey. Aubrey has never been neglected emotionally or physically the way that... (laughs) Some of the other kids on this show have been, and there would never be any way that they could go to court and Adam, first of all, being Adam, but just in general, could go to court and get primary custody taken from Chelsea. I think even if Adam was, like, a better guy and got his shit together, like, I think Chelsea probably still would have retained primary custody for a while because she is the one that Aubrey is with, and also her dad could pay for her to get a better lawyer. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Uh, So we get a scene of Aubrey with Taylor and Adam. And it's really funny because Aubrey is just having a fucking temper tantrum. Like, oh, she is losing it. She's screaming. She's hitting. She just doesn't want to do it. They try and put her in her car seat and she's just screaming and won't get into her car seat. And it's really interesting to watch because I kind of think that this is the first time that Adam's ever really dealt with. Aubrey having a meltdown like that when his mom wasn't there because I don't think up to now he spent a lot of time with Aubrey by himself. <laughs> like, I, I don't know if he's ever, like, had to deal with an Aubrey tantrum. You could tell he was trying to, like, hold it together to impress Taylor. But it was interesting for MTV to include that in there because I think it was, like, a real, like, let's let's remind you that Adam doesn't know what to do with these kids. The episode ends with Adam bringing Aubrey home and like coming right up to the door and being like, so did you get the letter? And Chelsea's like, yeah, uh uh-huh. And she's like, so you're going to sign it? And she's like, I don't know. I don't know. Which honestly, (laughs) this sounds crazy. I was proud of Chelsea because we know Chelsea's a baby and will never stand up for herself and never deal with any sort of confrontation. So I was actually proud of her for not just, like, giving in because he was there. Oh, there was when he was out to dinner with his friends, Adam. He mentioned that he has asked Chelsea for regular visitations. And she said no. He said my mom calls her and she doesn't pick up the phone. And I was like, yeah, sounds familiar. <laughs> Remember when Donna came to the house to talk to Chelsea and she wouldn't answer the door because Cole wasn't there? <laughs> she was too scared. Look, I understand, like, wanting to have a supportive partner. I understand not liking confrontation. But, like, grow up. I cannot stand an adult that, like, just can't have a fucking conversation. I get if you think Donna's going to come over and scream at you not to answer the door. But no. No, 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 no. I just, I, I find Chelsea's lack of being able to, like, deal with any sort of confrontation to be a really bad character trait of hers. 
Okay, that's it for Chelsea. Let's take a break and we'll come right back. Okay, let's talk about Leah, who has a wedding in this episode. <laughs> Actually, podcast-wise, there's going to be two weddings in a row, because next week is their Myrtle Beach wedding. But Leah needs to get married for her mortgage. Okay. <laughs> you do that, Leah. So she calls her mom, and I notice Leah looks really bad in this scene. And I don't, I don't mean like, I don't know how to describe this, but when I've been watching the earlier seasons, I just noticed that she was almost always like really put together and was rarely on camera, like without, you know, her hair being done. And this is where we start to see Leah, like not care as much about keeping up her appearance, which is fine. Like objectively, that's fine. But Leah claims that her addiction started after Addie was born. I don't personally believe that. I think that there are quite a few times throughout the earlier seasons when she seems quite high. I think that that's probably when it got really bad or it went from like partying to bad. But I've been kind of keeping my eye out on times where Leah seems like fucked up. And this is one of them. Like she just looks really messy and I don't know. She just seems high here. She calls Dawn and Dawn's like, well, are y'all going to cancel the regular wedding? And Leah's like, no, no, that doesn't affect nothing. And Dawn's like, well, okay, I don't run your life. (laughs) That's always Dawn's response. It's hard for me to like put that Dawn together with the Dawn in Leah's book, first of all. And the one that was like, you have to go get filed for divorce. And then the one that's like, you have to leave rehab right now because Corey's going to kidnap your daughters. Like, this Dawn is just so mild-mannered and so, like, do whatever the fuck you want. I guess, I don't know, I do think, I guess Leah said that she, Dawn has bipolar disorder and maybe, like, there are times that, I guess in the book, the stuff that Leah talks about in the book, Dawn is not medicated. Um... So maybe like, but like sometimes our behavior seems so impulsive and sometimes it seems so measured and controlled. So I wonder if that's just a result of her mental health. But in this, she's very like, do whatever the fuck you want. I don't know if that makes a ton of sense, but go for it. Leah asks if she'll be a witness at the wedding, which Dawn says, yes, of course she will. She, Leah goes inside Victoria's house where Victoria's with the girls and she's like, well, you're going to tell Corey. And Leah's like, yeah, I'm going to tell Corey. So Leah comes home and she's laying on her bed and she decides to call Corey to tell him Jeremy's there. The girls are there. And she's like, um, I just wanted to let you know that Jeremy and I are going down to the courthouse to get married. And Corey's kind of like, okay, not being very responsive. Remember, this is what, like a month and a half since they were contemplating getting back together. And Leah goes, you know, I just wanted to tell you because he will be their father figure when you're not there. Which, like, girl, girl, was that necessary? Was that necessary? 
that obviously pissed off Corey, which I don't blame him. I think using the phrase father figure was really unnecessary. First of all, Jeremy was never a father figure to those girls. Like Those girls spent a collective 82 days with Jeremy, maybe. Like, he, they, did not, they did not know Jeremy. They did not know him. Um, but Jeremy didn't spend a lot of time with the girls. And all Leah really had to say was, like, I just figured you want to know because, you know, he lives with the girls. And if you're getting married, like, I want to know about that, too. But her being like, well, he's going to be the father figure. Just because, like, imagine what Leah would say if Corey was like, well, she'll be the mother figure when you're not here. Leah would flip the fuck out. So I think she was trying to bait Corey. This whole episode, these two episodes seem like she's really trying to bait Corey. I think that Leah at this point is so not over Corey is just, you know, getting married to get married. Oh, I forgot to mention this. So when Victoria and Leah are talking at Victoria's house, Leah says that, you know, me and Jeremy were so good together. We never fight. And like, I'm so sure about my wedding in a way that like, I just wasn't with Corey, you know, like a week out, kind of referencing how she cheated on him a week before the wedding. (laughs) Oh, gosh, that's so nuts to me. But yeah, you and Jeremy never fight because you don't spend time together and you don't know each other. You don't know each other at all. And you only, I think, feel sure about this wedding, this marriage, because like you want to fight Corey, not necessarily because you want to marry Jeremy. It's just nuts to me, like, how little time Lee and Jeremy have spent together. I really think I have not ruminated on that enough in the past few podcast episodes. But at this point, Jeremy's spending at most two days home a week. They were together for about two months before they got engaged. It's so crazy. This is essentially a stranger to her. She does not know this man. And, like, yeah, of course they never fight. Also, like... Can you say that you never fight with someone if you've had, like, a full-blown breakup (laughs) in which you made him move out of your house, you gave him back his ring, and you were trying to date someone else, and I think sleeping with somebody else, because I think her and Corey were hooking up during that time. They just didn't put it on the show. Because that would make a lot more sense, right, if they were having sex, too. (laughs) She's like, we don't fight, except for when I leave him for Corey. (laughs) Like, girl. What does we don't fight mean in that context? Okay, so Corey, when she's back to her talking on the phone to Corey, she is really mad at him. And they're arguing back and forth really about nothing. And Leah's like, brings up how, you know, a month ago he wouldn't commit to her and blah, blah, blah. And Corey's like, well, you're making it seem like I'm not there for my girls, which is, I I get why he's so sensitive to that. I think father for you is just a really shitty choice of words to use there and Leah goes you know what Corey you like messing with my head and it's not happening anymore so you're mad at me and she hangs up the phone and starts crying question mark I could not figure out if she was crying or not she's laying on the bed like kind of face down so you can't really see but it seems like she's crying and Jeremy comes in he's like so how did it go and she goes he's just so immature he's so immature I never know what Corey I'm gonna get sometimes he's gonna be sarcastic sometimes he's gonna be nice and I just don't get it I don't get it and Jeremy is like it's just so it's so silly to watch Jeremy like sit there next to her and like have this conversation 
So it's the day of their wedding. Leah looks really pretty. I thought she looked really good. They're driving over the courthouse, and she had sent him a text, which she told Jeremy about. That was basically like, hey, I'm sorry we got into that fight. I hope everything's okay. So she's like, Jeremy asked if Corey write back, and Leah's like, yeah, do you want me to read it? And Jeremy's like, I don't really care. And she goes, well, you know what? Like, I care. You care. We do care. I don't want you to think that I'm keeping secrets from you. And I'm like, oh, goodness gracious, this is not good. (laughs) Corey basically said, I'm sorry for being such a dickhead. I'm just really depressed. I'm just trying to be happy, blah, blah, blah. And Leah, I kept noticing she was sniffling, like, really hard. And that's what was happening on the bed, too. Like, that's why I thought she was crying, because she was sniffling so much. Um, and as you know, a bitch with allergies myself, is it fair of me to judge Leah for sniffling a lot? No, but do I also think Leah was snorting pills? Like, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, who's to say, right? There's a funny moment in which Jeremy kind of looks at her and starts laughing. She's like, what? And he's like, I just realized that you're going to look, it's going to look like I'm marrying a teenager because of those braces. And I, I thought to myself, isn't she a teenager? (laughs) Isn't she 19 years old in this scene? I thought she was a teenager. Uh, Leah's really worried about Jeremy being, or Corey being mad. And Jeremy's like, well, why would you care if Corey's mad at you? And Leah's like, it's a girl's father. I'm always gonna have to talk to him, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, this is why you and Jeremy are never gonna work. Because you left him for somebody that's going to be in his life for the whole time you guys are together. And it's one thing, that's why I always think it's so scummy. I mean, besides the obvious, but extra scummy that Corey cheated on Miranda by sleeping with Leah, because it's one thing to like sleep with a stranger, you know, it's not good. (laughs) It's not good, but it's another thing to sleep with or leave your partner and then come back for somebody that you have children with and are going to have to deal with them for the rest of your life like Miranda has to deal with Leah for the rest of her life and it's so shitty to cheat on someone that you can't cut out of your life you know like oh it's just it's so it's really slimy it's really slimy so they get married at the courthouse Leah has the most intense blush I've ever seen I (laughs) it truly looks like she took like a very pigmented pigmented a pink eyeshadow that like James Charles would use and like a avant-garde makeup look and put that all over her cheeks. Her eyeliner is winged out but fucked up. It's so she looks really funny. <laughs> Just really, really funny. And so they get married Mazel Tov. Okay, in the second episode, we find out they got the house and she says, since the house is costing us a lot of money and the twins are getting more expensive, I'm thinking about asking Corey for more child support. And look, I think that everybody should pay their fair share share of child support. And if what Corey was paying isn't fair, then I support Leah here. Uh, She calls Corey and she's like, I heard you got a raise. I just think we're going to need some more money for the girls. And Corey's actually really amiable about it. He's like, well, how much? And they're like, well, we'll figure it out. I don't know. He's really not defensive at all. I was actually pretty surprised to hear how relaxed he was at the situation. So Kayla and Leah are together and they're talking about the child support payments. And Leah or Kayla thinks that like, 
because Jeremy is there paying money that Corey thinks that he doesn't have to give her as much money anymore because Jeremy's taking care of it, which I think he does think that. And I think that Leah is totally right when she's like, Jeremy's not their father. Jeremy is like not responsible for paying all their bills and that Corey should be paying just as much as us, which I agree. I do think to a certain extent, like if you marry someone with children, like you are green for the most part, unless you guys have totally separate finances, which I do not think Lee and Jeremy did, um, that you are green to pay to raise their children to a certain extent, you know? But I also think that, like, the non-custodial parent shouldn't get away with not paying child support because you got a rich spouse. Obviously, if, like, you have a super, super rich spouse and the custodial parent is really struggling, you could come to an agreement of some sort if the the partner was willing to do that but Jeremy's income doesn't really matter you know it's not really that relevant here Leah and Corey talk about it and they decide basically that he's gonna pay $600 a month which to her seems really fair he's currently paying $500 an extra $100 she thinks is like all she really needs and he said okay so let's get this like uh, legalized in the court. So Leah calls her lawyer and her lawyer is like, you're out of your fucking mind. <laughs> her lawyer says that based on the calculations, based on how much money Corey is making, that he should be paying Leah $1,200 a month. Now, $1,200 a month is not that much money to raise children, especially if you got kids in daycare, right? Like that's daycare for some people. I don't know how people afford daycare. It costs as much as rent. It's crazy. But when it comes to West Virginia that and their low cost of living, that does seem like a lot of money. And I was surprised that Corey made that much money. But I guess at this point, like, they have MTV. I That must be it. I bet they don't. It's not just his job. Because I'm like, damn, how much money is Corey making at the utility company? But I guess if he has teen mom as well, he's. I wouldn't be surprised if he was making, like, $100,000 a year. And, you know... a month when you're making $100,000 a year. Like, is it a lot of money? Sure. But is it reasonable? To me, it seems reasonable. So I bet that's what it is. I was surprised to hear Leah say that, like, they don't have money because Leah truly, you know, for somebody that comes from a household that struggled, Leah has seems to have, like, zero motivation (laughs) to, like, work. And it doesn't seem like she ever has to. It's really interesting that Leah on the show, like, money struggles have, like, never really been much of a thing for her. You would you would think they would be because it's not like Chelsea where she can just rely on her parents. But I guess it's because her baby's dad has always had a stable job that could keep stuff for the girl. Like, no matter what, the girls would be taken care of. It's really surprising. I mean, she does have, like, some money troubles early on. Like, that's the whole thing with the trailer versus the truck. But as far as, like, really struggling like Kale did, Leah's never done that. Which is interesting. You would think just because Leah comes from, like, a lower middle class background, you would think that she was really struggling. But she never really did. Um, Yeah, so they go to court. And here's where Leah fucked up, in my opinion. Leah never called Corey and said, my lawyer says it's going to be $1,200 a month. Corey showed up to court assuming that they were just going to sign on the dotted line for about $600. (laughs) And 
the lawyer was like, they just came to us and said they will not settle for less than $800, which $800 is, you know what I mean? Like, it, look, I was going to be like an extra $200 isn't a lot. Obviously, Corey can afford it if what the court mandated amount would be $1,200. But I get why Corey was fucking mad. I would be mad, too. It's not so much like the $800. It's that, like, this is classic Leah, right? Where she just, like, doesn't communicate this thing that's going to happen that's going to fuck with your life and then you're blindsided by it. I think that's very classic Leah. I think that she does that a lot and I bet it's a really fucking frustrating habit for her to have. Corey is obviously pissed about this. He was really shocked and he calls his dad and his dad is like, that dang on don't make no sense. Like, truly the most stereotypical (laughs) He says dang on like three different times. (laughs) Leah's happy with the amount, um, which like, like I said, $800 seems very reasonable to me for two children. Remember, it's not just one kid. They have two children together. But I do get why Corey's upset. And I think that Leah fucked up because she was having such an amiable, like, go at it with Corey about the money that she should have called and been like, this is what my lawyer and I think is fair. Because at least if Corey wanted to show up and fight it, he could show up and fight it. I'm guessing his lawyer told him, like, yo, if you fight it, you're going to have to pay more. You got to pay. You got to sign this. Because Corey did sign it and agree to it. So I think Leo was giving him a little break. But I get why being blindsided fucking sucks. Okay, let's make our way over to the Lehigh Valley in Pennsylvania to talk about one, Kalen. I actually am pretty sure I recapped the Kalen segments of this episode before because I was like doing a retrospective on Kalen Hobby's relationship. And I looked at a bunch of different episodes, and this was one of them. Because this episode is so different from the way in which the Team Mom fandom has remembered Hobby and Kalen's origin story. If you go on any Teen Mom talking area, Reddit, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, and you bring up Javi and Kale being married, everybody will agree that Kale only married him for the benefits, that she forced Javi to marry her for the benefits, that she forced Javi to join the military for the benefits, and it is so different than what actually happened. Kale was the one that was like, are you sure? Javi comes home one day and is basically like, you know, I was talking to my cousin and I just, I'm really sick of like going to school and struggling and we just like, we're never getting ahead. And so I'm thinking about joining the military, which I'm, obviously this is not the first time they've had this conversation because Kale's like, yeah, cool. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) He says that he's thinking about the Air Force because the Air Force seems to be the best for families and Kale is concerned. She's like, I just don't really know how that will work with Isaac because like, I don't think we can just pick up and move. Javi's like, we'll figure it out. And here's the thing. If I join the military, we need to get married right away. (laughs) Clearly, clearly they've been having this conversation off camera, but the way that people describe this, you would think that Kale dragged Javi to the recruiter's office herself, signed the documents for him And then, like, took his TRICARE card and ran away from him. Like, this is Javi. I really think that 
joining the military was 100% Javi's idea. I think that them getting married right away was 100% Javi's idea. It's also remarkable how little chemistry Javi and Kale have. They have no fucking chemistry. Also, Javi has this, like, terrible little, like, patchy mustache that looks... It, it just looks so gross. Like, there's nothing worse than a patchy mustache for some reason. It just, bleh. it gives me the heebie-jeebies looking at a man's patchy, not-grown-in mustache. But yeah, Kale is so not into Javi. And I guess, I guess it's hard because we've never really seen Kale, like, on camera date somebody that she's into. So it might just be the way that Kale operates and talks to people and interacts with people but like Kale and Javi have been together for like one minute at this point and they are already both just acting like roommates that maybe have sex occasionally there is just no sexual chemistry between them at all it's really it's really remarkable to watch because I don't know if I remembered that but it's decided that Javi is going to go into the military and he's like so we have to get married and Kale's like I mean, I knew, like, we talked about marriage, and, like, I knew we would get married eventually. I just didn't think it would be this soon. And Javi's like, well, buckle up. Let's go. Can't wait. I guess to get into the Air Force, you have to take a test. I have zero idea what's on the test. Um, But you take, like, a written test and then a physical test. And then if you get it, you go off to basic training. They have a trip to Vegas um, planned, and Javi's like, to visit Kale's friend, and Javi's like, let's get married in Vegas. And Kale's like, whoa, I, huh? Like, you can tell that she's a little taken back by it, and he's like, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it. If I pass, we have to get married in Vegas. It'll be the perfect time. Then we'll be, like, legally married, and his whole thing is, like, we must absolutely be married before boot camp, which I'm not really sure why. But he is fucking adamant we will be getting married before I go to boot camp. Because she doesn't go to boot camp with him. He's in Texas, I remember. And they do get married before he goes. Maybe it has something to do with the benefits. I don't know. Like, it made sense for them to get married. Well, <laughs> I take that back. It didn't make sense for them to get married. But in their situation, they have no idea how long this teen mom thing's going to be around. Kill keeps saying, by the way, that she works at the mall. I'm not so sure she's still working at that mall. I don't think that true because we never I mean it's possible MTV just didn't show it we never see that girl in a uniform we never see her driving to work she's never talking about work except for in her voiceovers and if you watch the early seasons like she's talking about work all the time we see her in that um didn't she work at sports authority in that like red sports authority jersey jersey polo we see her hanging out outside of work. That's where she met Jordan. She talks about going to work, what her schedule's like. Like, she's always kind of talking about work. And now she just, in the in the talking head, or not the talking heads, in the voiceover, she's like, and I'm still working at the mall. But remember, she worked at Buckle. It's how she met Javi. <laughs> Javi came into Buckle and essentially stalked her until she agreed to go out with him. Is Buckle still a store? <sighs> I, there was one at the King of Prussia Mall, but I don't, I doubt it's still there. I'd be surprised if Buckle's still sore, but just because, like, the regional malls where Buckle would exist are really dying, which is kind of sad, I guess. I don't know. Because weren't malls kind of bad to begin with? <laughs> weren't malls what they said killed, like, the mom and pop shop? So, whatever. Death to malls, I guess. My local one is 
I can't believe they haven't bulldozed it down yet. But thankfully, I live very close to, like, what I think is now the third largest mall in America. It used to be the second, but I think that one that they opened in New Jersey beat it. So I don't really have to worry about a mall being inaccessible. I love going to the mall, by the way. <laughs> I still, I love it. Here's the thing. I don't really like buying clothes at the mall. Weird enough, I don't love the process of, like, going into a dressing room. And I like to try on clothes at home before I return them or not because I feel like that's where I really get the best version of myself in my bedroom. But, like, I love going to the mall, eating some food, getting a pretzel, spending two hours just walking around in the wintertime when it's too cold to go outside. I'm like an old lady and do mall laps. Truly, I put on sneakers and I get my steps in at the mall after work. I work two minutes away from the mall. I just love going there. And, and the King of Prussia Mall put in, if you guys don't know this, if you're local, they put in one of those Korean uh, corn dog places. You know that like Trisha Paytas and all those people on YouTube always ate where it's like fried cheese. Uh, they put in one of those. It's so good. I guess you can get it just mozzarella, corn dog. I, there are various options. I always get just the cheese one. So hit that up. It's in the food court downstairs. Um, it's really, really good. But yeah, I love them all. I'm a mall girly. I don't know how I got here. <laughs> Kale says she works at the mall. Right. Okay, so Javi is going to take his test. And surprise, he actually can't take it because his uh, the test was pushed back. It was postponed. So they go out to Vegas. And they're at lunch with her friend Tony, who she was still friends with. As of the last few years, Tony's like an insane Republican, like really, really crazy. And this was in, I remember Tony being really around in the 2016 election when Kale was like super Republican. <laughs> Do you guys remember that? <laughs> Which honestly, Kale being a Republican makes total sense to me because I have found that people who struggle usually come out one of two ways. They have they, like, people struggle and then get money. Either come out one of two ways. The good way, in my opinion, the good way that you come out is that you recognize that you are really fortunate to have gotten out, especially in a case like Kale's where truly just falls on your lap. You win the lottery. And you have a lot of empathy for people that are still in that situation. And you want to make sure that nobody else has to go through what you went through. Then there are the people that struggled, they get out, they see their ability to get out 100% on their hard work and absolutely nobody else, and they think that everybody who hasn't gotten out yet just isn't working hard enough, and fuck benefits, fuck them, fuck all poor people. And I think Kale definitely falls into the latter category in that she, like, her narcissism makes her think that, like, she truly worked to get where she was. And look, here's the thing. You guys know that I think that the team moms are actually underpaid. And I know that I, like, am a true cheese stands alone when it comes to that opinion. Like, <laughs> I know that. I think they should be getting paid double the amount that they're getting paid. Because they have to have assholes like me get on a mic and fucking talk about them. I also think that Kale, out of all of the team moms, besides Chelsea, has done the best job at branding herself. I think she does hustle. Um, but... She's very lucky. Like, she has what she has because of luck. I think she has the extras that she has because of the work that she's done and, like, her 
her work to brand herself. I do think that she's put in the work there, but it's not hard work the way that we think of hard work. It's not equivalent to working in a job. <laughs> it's just not. You know, these influencers love to get on TikTok and be like, influencing is the hardest job. You never, ever get to turn off your phone. You're working 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and you all just don't understand that. And here's the thing. Is it really hard to put yourself out there like that? Yeah, I'm sure it is. I am very lucky in that, like, I have this little podcast that doesn't get that many listens, and I don't have to read my reviews, which is the main place where people come at me, but I'm not, like, popular on a platform that lends itself to comments the way that TikTok does and the way that Instagram does. Um, you know, sometimes I'll get, like, ne I'll see negative comments on Reddit, but it's honestly few and far between at this point. Um, it used to be a lot worse. <laughs> but occasionally, I, like, I see them, but it's, it's very rare that it happens. I don't have to put, like, a big part of myself on here, you know? Like, I, you guys don't really actually, unless, like, you're my friend, know that much about my life and, like, my daily life. Um, I don't have to share that in order to have a successful in quotes podcast and the reality is is that I make more money on my Patreon than I do at my job and I spend four to five hours a week on it you know like is it a grind because you have to do it every week yeah it is but the thing that influencers reality tv stars etc don't seem to understand is that their work is difficult. And like, I personally will never take that away from them. I think emotionally, it's very difficult. I also think mentally, like most people were not built to have 24 seven fucking feedback about themselves and not just like stuff they're creating, but like their personal selves, <laughs> you know, like just people fucking dragging you for who you are as a person that like our brains were not built for that. I mean, I guess some people's were, but for the most part, our brains were not built for that. But what they don't seem to get is that like the amount of actual effort that they put in versus the amount of money they make is insane, right? Like that ratio is insane. It's not comparable to anybody, almost anybody working a traditional job who works physically a lot harder, is doing harder work, is probably close to as emotionally draining for some people as being an influencer is. And they have to spend 40 to 50 hours a week on doing it, and they don't get the type of money and opportunities that influencers get. So the way that influencers talk about work, I find to be really fucking annoying. Um, like this one person I follow on TikTok is always talking about how hard it is for him to be an influencer, blah, 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 and how hard he actually works doing full-time content creation. That's what they call it. Except the other day he posted his schedule because I will say, bully for him, he does talk like honestly about how he makes money, the type of stuff that he does. And he was like, I wake up every day at 8 o'clock or 8.30. I go to the gym for an hour with my trainer. Then I spend an hour and a half after the gym going on walk and like filming content. I come home, I eat lunch, and then I spend from like 2 o'clock to 5 o'clock answering emails. And I'm, that was his work day. And I said, so he works for three hours a day. <laughs> like, do you hear yourself? It's actually not 24 um, seven. This is really off topic. I was talking about Kale. Oh, and how she's a Republican and just doesn't 
she doesn't care. She doesn't care for other people's struggles. I'm hoping she's come around a little more. I actually, I mean, who knows if she has. I do think that she has realized that you, it's hard to be a Republican online, I think. <laughs> and I don't say that with sympathy. I'm just saying it's a fact. If you want, like, a big online following, it's difficult to be conservative unless, like, your following is specifically conservative. That's just my personal observation. You know what I mean? Like, do I think, though, a lot of, like, Kale's podcast listeners are conservative? Yeah, probably. So do I think that she could be openly conservative? Yeah, I do. But I do think that that opens you up to a lot of draggings. And also it kind of, like, makes your content, like, exclusively for conservatives in a lot of ways if you're, like, open about it like that, you know? Like, if you go full QAnon. Can we talk about the fact that Andrew, Amber's Andrew, is, like, fully QAnon? <laughs> it's actually really scary. People, I spend a lot of my time thinking about uh, media misinformation. It is actually, like, an anxiety trigger for me. It freaks me the fuck out because I don't know how we as a society combat it. Um, I read an article that stated that one in five people believe that Sandy Hook wasn't real. I, how do you, I don't know how you fight back about against that. We are living in an age in which like facts truly don't matter in a way that I find really scary because you can't, how do you change people's minds if they refuse to not just listen to you, but refuse to believe that factual stuff is factual. So I don't really know where we go from here. And when I think about it too much, I it's like thinking about death for me. Like it just, it really flips me out. Really, really, really. Okay, so Kale's in Vegas. They're with her friend who I guess is the wife of an Air Force person. She's like, I love it. I love this. You guys should go get married at the little white chapel whatever she's like britney spears got married there so kale and javi go to see it they talk they mention britney spears five more times and then they decide they don't want to get married there because it's cheesy um so you know that's okay there is a moment oh i forgot to talk about this before they went to vegas kale goes to get her nails done by Gigi, and Gigi's like you're fucking nuts if you get married <laughs> she's like don't get married you stupid bitch she's like it is not you have not been together long enough. You should have a wedding when you want to have a wedding. Do not get married to him just because he's joining the Air Force. Basically, like, I love Gigi in that scene. There's also this moment that I want to point out. So when Javi, basically their plan was for Javi to take the test, pass the test, and they're going to Vegas like two days later and they would get married in Vegas. So when he can't take the test, Kale's like, well, we don't have to get married now. And Javi's like, well, what? <laughs> She's like, let's just, like, wait a week. And he's like, why? And she's like, well, I just don't see why we need to rush into it now then. And I'm like, oh, girl. Girly. Let's have a talk. If you think that waiting a week <laughs> is waiting and that you will feel differently in a week, like, do I have news for you? I wonder what Kale, looking back, watching that, would say about that specific interaction where Javi is like, let's just do it. And she's like, let's wait a week. <laughs> oh my God. Kaylin. It's so crazy that she married him. Actually, it's not. It makes perfect sense. But it's, it's, it is crazy because she doesn't seem to like him very much and never seemed to like him very much. 
All right, let's round it home with Janelle, who had a wild two episodes. Wild, wild, wild. So Gary and her are doing great. He's, like, staying on the weekends. He's at the military base during the week. And she sits down with Allison, her roommate. And her roommate's like, do not get married (laughs) just because he's in the military. (laughs) Much like Kale's friend Gigi. Allison was like, you need to be together for one month before you get married. At least, like, basically being like, you guys can't stay together for a full month. You'd be fucking crazy to get engaged. And Janelle's like, you know, he's just, like, the first guy I could ever see myself having a future with. And she, I found this so weird. She goes, he's really good with Jace. He disciplines Jace. I'm like, first of all, why the fuck is Gary disciplining Jace? I mean, I guess, like, I think Gary spends, like, babysitting time with Jace. So it's actually probably fine. Like, if he, you know, like, when I'm babysitting or I'm my nieces or my nephew like I discipline that I guess though it's more like behavior correction I don't actually like discipline them I don't know but like if they're being bad and I'm the one that's in charge like I am in charge of stopping the bad behavior it's just a weird thing to say for Janelle like he disciplines Jace like what the fuck does that mean (laughs) what does this mean Allison's just like girly I think you guys just fight because you get bored. And Janelle said, you know, we did admit that we both really like the chaos. And Janelle says, this is because of my bipolar disorder. And it's so jarring to hear Janelle openly talk about her bipolar disorder. That she says that she doesn't have, she was misdiagnosed, whatever. But it actually makes me very sad to hear her talk about it. Look, it's very possible she was misdiagnosed. A lot of times people will get bipolar disorder diagnosis when they should get maybe a personality disorder diagnosis and vice versa. Also, personality disorders are so fucking subjective. The more I learn about them, the more I realize. (laughs) Truly, you get a personality disorder uh, based on, like, your race and gender and age, honestly. Like, those... Obviously, you have to then, like, meet diagnostic criteria for personality disorder. But, like, once you're over that diagnostic criteria, the way that they pick, mm, it's not great. You should look at some studies as to who gets diagnosed with what. I think it really interests some of you. Anyway, where was I? I mean, it's the same for kids, too, with ODD. Look up who gets diagnosed with ODD the most. Oppositional defiance disorder. It's not great. It's not great. It's very school-to-prison pipeline. Okay, Janelle, oh, hearing Janelle just, like, say, I'm bipolar, I just wish that she would have, like, got on meds, gave them an honest shot, you know, because within months of this, less, she's hooked on heroin, and it just, uh, it just makes me sad, like, that there is a world in which Janelle, like, was like, wow, my mental health is really bad, I'm gonna fix that, and that didn't happen, instead, she went down the path of drugs. Allison is like, please, please, if he proposes to me, tell me that you're not going to say net. Yes, you're just nowhere near ready. And then the next scene is Gary proposing. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Allison is like, are you fucking kidding me? Janelle goes, no, nah, like, we're not going to get married for like six months to a year. All three of them are really fucking stoned. They're really stoned in this scene. <laughs> Allison goes, God willing, you make it that long. (laughs) Allison's really funny. 
<laughs> also doesn't give a fuck about what Janelle thinks. She says what she believes, and I really appreciate that in a teen mom side character. So they call Barb. Barb is really happy. They go and see Barb, and Barb and Janelle have this conversation, like, in front of Gary, in which Barbara is talking about Gary, even though he's sitting right there. It's very weird. She's like, look, I think Gary's great. I think he's really good for you. Um, she says that Gary can really turn you around, Janelle, which they're always talking about the men that are going to, like, fix Janelle. It's not going to happen. I do understand to a certain extent, like, if you have somebody in your life that always has a significant other no matter what, and they are never going to be single to work on themselves, you obviously hope that the significant other they get is one that will, like, guide them well and, like, is a good person and will be a good influence in their life because they're heavily affected by their partners. But as far as being, like, he's going to turn you around, that's a no for me. That's a real no for me. Janelle thinks, or Barb thinks that they need to wait a year to get married. And Janelle's like, yeah, of course. Like, uh, we're going to live together first. And I'm like, can you do that? Isn't he, don't you need to be married to live with somebody in the military? Is that true? I actually have no idea. And I honestly don't really care that much. Uh, Gary then goes, you guys should have had this conversation without me here. <laughs> Oh, so everybody's happy. Everybody's thrilled. We go into episode two. Janelle lets us know that she's been really busy at work and she's falling behind in school. And I'm like, she went back to school? When did... I, they never mentioned that. MTV is making shit up in these voiceovers. There's no fucking way Janelle is in school at this point. That's a fucking lie. Kale's not fucking working at the mall and Janelle's not in school. Janelle says... Gary and I have been fighting a lot, even though we got engaged a week ago. <laughs> Just class. It's like peak Janelle, this episode. Uh, Gary kicked the door. They had a huge, huge fight. Gary kicked the door in. And she tells Allison that basically they were laying in bed and Janelle turned her back to him. And she said he wanted to spend time together. I'm guessing she means like he wanted to have sex. And she was like, no, I'm going to bed. My boobs hurt. I don't want to. And he flipped out. Allison is like, you guys can't make it a month without breaking up. What are you doing? And Janelle's like, I just really love him. I want to be with him. So the next day they make up. This is, it's not funny because this is domestic violence. And I want to make that clear. But the way in which this fucking show is edited is so wildly funny to me. <laughs> I'm sorry, I cannot help it because Janelle goes, Gary and I are getting, Gary and I made up and he came over with a new puppy for me. But later that night, we got into a huge fight and we were both arrested and we were bailed out this morning and we have a no contact order. <laughs> Actually, she says a physical fight. <laughs> like, it's not funny, but like, Gary got me a puppy, and then we got into a physical fight, and then we both got arrested. Like, that only in Janelle's world does that, like, voiceover happen. So Barbara comes, bails her out of jail, and Janelle is, like, flipped out. She brings Barbara back to the house because there's a no-contact order uh, with Gary, and so they're going to move, like, all of uh, Gary's stuff out of her house. And to this day, or at least the last time I heard Gary talk about it, he denies this ever happened. He says that he, like, agreed to plead guilty to domestic violence, just like his lawyer told him to, blah, blah, blah. I personally do believe that Gary was physically abusive towards Janelle. Um, 
do I believe that Janelle hit him too? Sure. I, but like, I think that Janelle, her instability attracts really unstable guys, unfortunately. And it really makes her susceptible to being in violent relationships. And Gary has a weird anger problem. And I know for like, we, he kicked that door in, you know what I mean? Like he kicked that door in, he smashed her phone. She used to post her smashed phones on Twitter. Like, I don't know. We know that Gary's not a good guy or wasn't a good guy at this time. So Tori calls her and she, well, first she shows um, Barb that Gary took a blanket. She like shows, it's not funny, but it's just, it's just ridiculous. She shows Barb that like Gary tried to strangle her with the blanket and Barb was like, oh my God. Tori calls and Janelle starts to tell this story. So basically it's hard to kind of put together, but I guess Gary decided he was going to go to the club and Janelle didn't want to go to the club. So at least I think this happened that, this night. It's it's hard because she's not talking to us or even to somebody there. She's talking to the phone. So Gary goes out. Janelle is then blowing his phone up all night and Gary's ignoring her. He finally answers, but he has a girl answer the phone. So they get into a huge fight about it. Gary comes home. They're fighting. Um, Janelle goes to check his phone and he gets really mad and takes her phone and smashes it. So Janelle is sobbing. She's sobbing, sobbing, sobbing. Gary is screaming, like, you have to stop crying. The neighbors are going to call the police. And she's like, I can't. And that's when he went to, like, strangle her um, to get her to stop crying, which is fucking terrifying. Janelle gets out of that. She says she jumps up on the bed and she, like, punched Gary in the back. And she says that Gary turned to her and said, if you're going to hit me like a grown man, I'm going to beat the shit out of you like a grown man. That's fucking chilling like I got chills when Janelle said that and then she said then he started wailing on me she says she has bruises all over her body Ugh, it's just it's not great um so apparently the cops come and when the cops came she says that Gary showed him showed the cops Janelle's bong Janelle's weed and told them that she was on Klonopin's but then Gary gets <laughs> getting charged with all of the same stuff as Janelle, which is actually quite funny, right? Like, if things happen the way that Janelle says that they happened, Janelle's an unreliable narrator. I also just, I don't know, like, if it's worth picking apart, like, if what everything Janelle said about Gary had was true and is telling the truth in this scene. Because I, I don't know if Janelle and I live in the same reality and... I feel like spending a lot of time trying to, like, decipher if Janelle is lying or not about something just, like, isn't that practical, <laughs> you know? Like, it doesn't make that most that much sense to me. Um, it's a futile effort. Is that the right word? Futile? I don't know. Uh, Gary, when he got bailed out, the military came and got him and was like, you're fucked. You're really, really fucked. Um... So she goes to her mom's house because she's, like, scared of Gary, and she, I, a, what she calls a private investigator came to the house and was asking her all of these questions, and Janelle was telling her side of the story, and he's being like, we're just trying to get you off and get Gary arrested, and so she calls Dustin, and she's like, and he told me to set up an interview with the police, and Dustin is like, girl, no, do not talk to him again, do not set anything up unless I'm there. They are trying to get you. And he's like, you have the same charges as Gary. They're trying to get you. And Janelle's like, 
Oh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so she calls. Oh, also Gary at this point messages her on Twitter, which is a no-go, right? He has a no-contact order. That's another thing. It's like Gary is a no-con... I mean, I don't know. I don't know. But Gary has this... They have this no-contact order. According to Janelle, Gary unsolicited messages her and she showed the texts or the tweets to Dustin. Dustin says they're going to give the tweets to the DA, the DA and he's going to get in even more trouble. So she picks up the phone to call someone. And it's Kiefer. She's like, so do you still live around here? Which I was surprised because I thought Kiefer was living in New Jersey. But he was there. And he's like, yeah. And she's like, can you just come over? Because, and she like tells him this whole thing. And Kiefer goes, so he beat you and then snitched on you? And Janelle's like, yeah. <laughs> oh, Kiefer, Kiefer. So she invites Kiefer to Barb's house, which I'm like, really? Barb must have been at work. Uh, Janelle is sobbing and Kiefer's like, you know, this is not the first time he's done this to you. You just keep getting back with him. And she's like, no, it's really over this time. The court says we can't be together. And Kiefer goes, yeah, but there are those times the court said that we couldn't be together and we still were. <laughs> you know, Kiefer's a logical man. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> oh, gosh, that's it for this week. I love these episodes. I just love them. They're so fun to watch. I hope you all have a lovely week and I will talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. This podcast is brought to you by Solid Listen Network. Find me on Instagram at feathers underscore pod.